Hello, and welcome to another episode of our mini podcast, I Built a Company That Makes a Difference by B1, where we talk to founders of sustainable businesses to get their quick takes on how and why they started their companies and some lessons that they've learned along the way. Today, we're talking to Alyssa Cherry, the founder of Fillery, a small batch liquid soap factory in Durham, North Carolina. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. Yay, so happy to be here. Cool. I'm really excited to learn more about Fillery and what exactly it is that you guys do. Yes, So let's definitely. jump into some questions. First off, tell me or tell us rather a little bit about yourself and tell us about Fillery. Your story starting Fillery revolves around a really sobering period of your life. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So the um, journey from um, that part and that point in my life to Fillery definitely was like you know, a few years process, but what really kind of made me wake up and think about the products that, um, I was using and like the food I was consuming and just really kind of, uh, you know, led to a point where I needed like a wake up call in my life was, um, my mother and my son both were diagnosed with cancer, like a certain, a certain type of cancer within a, a six month period. So my mother got diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And then, you know, three months later I had my son and he was born with a um, benign, like a uh, neuroectodermal tumor, um, uh, you know, growing from his, uh, the lining of the brain. Then he had to have, you know, surgery and have treatment and stuff. And luckily both of them are, 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 are okay and still with us today. But that really intense medical kind of, um, scary, you know, life-threatening, you know, circumstances with these two people that are, you know, the, some of the most dear people to you on the whole entire planet made me really think about health, um, what we're putting on our body, what we're eating. And, and just, you know, cancer is definitely something that's linked to toxins in our environment, in the foods we eat. And so that really led me to start inspecting um, all of the things that were in my house and that were coming, you know, around my family and I. Um, and I think that from there, I kind of, you know, started looking into, you know, how to consume items and, you know, plastics and, and how things are packaged. And that kind of led to a journey um, thinking more critically about, you know, not just what goes in the product, but how is the product packaged or how, um, how is this having an effect on a plant on the planet? So it kind of started with that point and then led into, you know, a more sustainability, um, kind of like a, you know, a low waste, zero waste kind of piece over the years. Wow. What an unbelievably and unimaginably difficult period of time um, you said within three months, those two diagnoses were within three months. Yeah, 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 it definitely, I remember I was six months pregnant, um, at like, um, and my mom, you know, had a very small, you know, family baby shower, you know, I was visiting Arizona, but I was living in North Carolina and everything was, you know, fine. And then when I got back to North Carolina, two months later, she got the diagnosis and, um, and then I had my son, and then I um, had him. And then three months after he was born, we noticed something growing really rapidly, like protruding through his fontanelle. And it was just like, you know, within three weeks, we were in surgery. The surgery was supposed to be an hour. It ended up being seven hours. He had to have a partial craniectomy. And then, you know, after that, of course, we had to do a lot of doctor's visits to make sure that it was not growing or, or continuing to grow. And he had to have a, you know, a plate put in his skull you know, two years later when it was finally like kind of, you know, healed up. 
So yeah, and, and like I said, she had to do chemo and obviously have surgery and she, you know, had to go through, a, you know, over a year and a half process of healing. And, um, you know, luckily it has, she's been in remission, you know, and then my son's was a little different. It wasn't necessarily like a, it was a benign tumor, but it was life-threatening and it was really, really dangerous. And you definitely did have to keep an eye on that. And yeah. So yeah, that really was, um, you know, especially in retrospect, thinking about Fillory, you know, like thinking about where that kind of really intense shift life kind of change you know happened I wasn't necessarily the most unhealthy person by any means but it definitely was something that I was not really thinking about critically it, it really changed the way I, I thought about a lot of things oh I'm like I imagine so that just set you into like a quest to figure out as you said everything in your house what are we consuming what are we directly and indirectly consuming what are we putting in on our body in the air so that just set you into a quest mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah i can imagine so can you in the midst of this can you describe kind of the moment when you decided you decided like all right i i either i cannot find what i'm looking for or i'm horrified by what i am finding thus i'm going to start my own business yeah. So it, there was, you know, there's always there, especially this was like, gosh, what was this? This was like 2008. Right? This is a long time ago, but there was definitely a lot of, there were, you know, natural options on the shelves of like, you know, co-ops and health food stores and whole foods and stuff like that. There definitely were natural options for, you know, a lot of food and then also cleaning and soap products. So I was using, you know, a natural, a natural soap, natural cleaners in my house and then basically like, you know, over the years, um, I just really became um, just really, influ it really influenced, really impacted by, you know, the images of plastic oceans, like, you know, floating, um, you know, plastic mounds in the oceans. I feel like I started, you know, really thinking about the environment and sustainability and global warming became really like scary, you know? And I think I just started wanting to, I, I've always been, I've always considered myself someone who thinks the world can be a better place if we care enough and if we try to, to, to you know, to make a difference. I believe that you can. I feel like that's always been who I am at the core. So as the, you know, overwhelming global warming, you know, um, kind of, dialogue and information, you know, started really, you know, bombarding everyone. But but I, I I just became really, you know, concerned with with those with those problems as well. So I started, you know, bringing my own reusable water bottle everywhere I went. I started bringing my own coffee cup everywhere I went. I started uh, in my second child, my daughter, I used cloth diapers, you know, I really started, I started composting and I just felt like this overwhelming problem of global warming and, you know, um, like the seas are rising and just like, uh, you know, climate change, right? Like is so un, like un, un, unfixable. Mm -hmm. It feels so overwhelming, but all of these little changes that I was making in my life felt like I was making a difference. And even though maybe it was just a feeling I had, or maybe a hope and a belief I had that if we all do these little things, we all work on trying to reduce our families or our, our personal consumption 
it will have some kind of an impact. And I almost felt like I could control it a little bit. Whereas anything else I did, I just couldn't feel like I could control it. I was like, you know, I, I had, I, I don't live in, I don't live in a walkable city. Like, you know, I, I do have to drive. I do visit my family, you know, like every other year I fly on a plane. You know what I mean? Like there are things that I just cannot necessarily, I, I, I don't want to give up. I cannot give up at this point, but these little things, they just really felt like, it wasn't too challenging and I was making a difference. So basically like I um, ended up, re I would, I would have this natural cleaning spray bottle, a uh, natural cleaning spray that I use and I would buy the refill and I would fill it up and then I would recycle it. And I just started hearing about how recycling is not really the best option. If you can reuse the same water bottle over and over, it's much better than buying a recyclable one. If you can, you know, compost something, of course, it's better than throwing it away, throwing it away. And I was like, I just wish that I could um, refill this spraying bottle. Like, why can't I refill this spray bottle anywhere? This is so frustrating to me. And I thought for probably two years, you know, why doesn't someone do this? This is so silly. Like, I feel like I would totally bring my bottles and my soap bottles to refill, but there's nowhere to do that anywhere near me. And then I took a trip out to California, um, I lived in Los Angeles right before I moved to North Carolina and I took a trip to California to visit some friends and I walk into this farmer's market. It must be like 2013. Um, yeah, it was 2013. Actually, we were in um, this shop, I believe is still there. We were in Ventura. Uh, we were in Ventura, California, right outside of Los Angeles. And my husband's walking in front of me and he walks into the store and he comes out and he's like, you're going to, you're going to lose your mind. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, this is the thing that you've been talking about for your whole, for like these past two years. <laughs> happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you, and I walk in and it's this refill shop and they have these like huge glass, you know, um, big pump like jars and they have everything. They have cleaning spray and they have like laundry detergent and they have toothpaste and they have like dish soap and then they have face cream and then they have like eye drops they have like every single thing and they have this wall of jars and I was like oh my god something about just seeing it that like happen and having it be reality was just so profound to me and I was so excited and of course I like you know bought a few things that I could you know and I was just like oh my god I can't believe this is happening this is like a, literally a dream come true the next day I went to a farmer's market and there was this, these two women filling up all these bottles, you know? And I was just like, I looked at my, I was actually happy to be with my mother and my sister. And I looked um, and I looked at them and I said, do you guys think I could, you know, start like a refillable soap company? Like, do you think I could teach myself how to make soap and, and do something like this in North Carolina? Because like, this is crazy. Like this is, this is really, this is what I feel like I should do. And they were like, yeah, I'm sure it's totally easy. I'm sure it's not that hard. You should totally do it. Like, just like, like not really thinking too much about it. But I was like, okay, it was almost like they had given me the permission to like, really consider this. Came home and watched, I don't know, maybe 80 hours of YouTube videos, the same YouTube video over and over and over and over and over, how to make liquid soap, bought the one book, there's one book in the history of books about how to make your own liquid soap, bought that book, read it cover to cover, like 800 times, and then tried to make soap, you know, uh, uh, around like around like New Year's that year, tried, you know, 75 more times, finally got it good enough to the point where it was, you know, very similar to Dr. Bronner's, which is what I was using. Uh, I joined, you know, submitted it to a farmer's market. I got accepted to the farmer's market and I was selling soap, you know, within six months at a farmer's market. Yeah. And I was making it in crock pots in my kitchen. Oh, I like this story a lot. Oh my gosh. Okay. So 
whole story. Sorry, I hope it wasn't too too detailed. But yeah, that that's that's pretty much uh, how how it, how it happened. That's a fantastic story. Okay, so California, seeing with your own eyes, actually this thing that I've been dying for, this this is possible. And then instead of being like, how do I get somebody to make this possible over in North Carolina? You were like, this is me. This is what I'm here to do. This is this is me. I'm doing this. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It was also it also came from at that at that time, the zero waste culture was really just starting. Like it was very, very new. There was like one book, like this French woman, um, B. I can uh zero the was is in French uh, zero waste, but she had had a book. There was like a few bloggers, you know, and that was pretty much it. And Instagram was wide open, you know, like it was right. just it was still Instagram. It was it was still kind of organic. And I feel like there was a culture of DIY everything. So if you really wanted to be zero waste, you had to have a mason jar and you had to do every single thing yourself. You had to make your own toothpaste, make your own soap, make your right. own dish. And I thought, this is crazy. I have That's less toast. accessible. Yes. I'm yeah. like, and I can barely make a piece of toast in some mornings. And I think that there needs to be an option where, you know, I would go somewhere and refill though. Like I would do that. Right. But there was just nowhere. It was either DIY or like just buy and recycle the normal kind of stuff. Right. So I was like, maybe other people would also refill. And it also, a little bit of it was like, you know, if you don't have time to do everything yourself, I really wanted to make it easy and accessible to be able to refill, you know, and reuse the same container with a natural, with also, of course, it was the baseline of like, it's going to have to be the most natural stuff that you could buy only essential oils, vegan, palm oil free, because anyone who cares enough to refill is going to want to not be refilling toxic products. <laughs> that makes, okay. So you talked about Yes, you mentioned things like seeing super upsetting images of just like floating mounds of plastic in the ocean and et cetera. And in recycling, yes, it's if you can do something to prevent you before even it gets to recycling, like that's a better option. So what is the issue with even biodegradable plastic packaging? So I think that it's, um, I think it can be a really great, I think it can be a really great alternative and option if you do compost it. I find that most people that are using the mo the majority of, um, uh, or I don't know, I, I find like at least like whenever I go to a restaurant, I go to restaurants sometimes and coffee shops that have compostable cups and compostable, but they literally don't even have a compost pile. So right. I'm like, Oh, right. I'm supposed to take this home. And also a lot of those compostable um, plastics, you can't do it in a home com compost. It really has to be composted in a commercial facility. So okay. even if I was like extra and I'm like, I'm going to make sure I put this dirty cup back into my bag and take it home to my home compost, you still, it still wouldn't even really, you know, turn into nothing in that thing. So I think it is a really great option. There's like tons of innovation and I'm super excited for those options, but I think I'm I'm almost probably maybe a little bit too overly simplistic as in like if you can just reuse the same bottle right right you know, like you know that really is a simple way to avoid so many so much waste and so many resources being wasted by making millions and millions of biodegradable plastic cups and also making new of course new plastic bottles to then be recycled 
you know, it's like you buy the bottle from overseas, it comes, it gets filled with a liquid here in the States, you take it home, you recycle it, it goes to a facility, and then it gets shipped back overseas, where hopefully it gets turned into another bottle. So I think that if you just have one bottle, and then you just take it back and forth, you know, that is just, I think that the impact is almost exponential, you know, as the, when it comes to reducing, uh, you know, reducing your waste, and then also not creating so many new things in the system. That so, makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah, I just think that, that that being an option, I think, you know, having that, and it hadn't been an option. It's just make, it's taking trash, taking trash, taking trash, or taking compost, taking compost. Having a way to reuse is something that the infrastructure isn't really there. And I think that it should be there. You know, I think it should at least be an option for people. That makes perfect sense. Okay, and that's giving me another way of looking at this as well. Um, you have an insane FAQ section on your website. It's one of the most thorough I have ever, ever seen. So this leads me to my next question. What has been the public response around Durham to Fillory over the past decade? And have you seen, or I'm sure you have, so let me rephrase this. What has been, what have been some of the notable evolutions in consumer habits that you've seen just in your own community since starting Fillory? Yeah, so, um... We can thank um, Dikshita, who is, you know, has been working with me and working with us for three years for the uh, really thorough, amazing FAQ section. She has been, um, you know, she's, you know, chief op chief uh, operation officer here at Fillory. So she does so many things, but she also has dealt with um, a lot of customer service. You know, um, being part of um, being part of the storefront for the first few years she was here. So she compiled that really amazing, thorough FAQ. And I think it's just like basically all of the questions that she has gotten them that she would got putting up there. So it just makes uh, our lives a little bit easier. So we've had a lot of time to talk to a lot of customers about a lot of, you know, a lot of things and obviously get all those questions and put those up there. And the response from Durham, um, so I, you know, tell people all the time, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, and I do not think, um, I'm really glad I started Fillory in Durham, North Carolina, because it, it's really already has this really baseline level of like progressive thinking people. People are early adopters. They kind of think outside the box. They really want to support local business and small business in huge ways. Like they just really show up. And I think that especially in 2014, me showing up and trying to be like, so you buy this bottle of soap, but then you bring it back to me <laughs> yeah. and I can it. And now you pay less money. You just pay for the ounce at that point, but the, and then you take it home and then you bring it back and you refill, you know, even, even that little bit was so kind of new and different. And I think that in, in, in certain places, it really would not have taken on. You wouldn't have had the the minimum amount of people that you needed to make a business like this work but in durham in durham it did work and in durham it definitely really you know went from one customer to five to 500 you know like to five thousand I think that being in Durham has been really, really instrumental um, to that. And North Carolina as a whole, they have a, just much more of a conservative, when it comes to the sustainability and the environment and waste in particular, I feel like it just feels much more conservative mm -hmm. here than it does out in Arizona. Um, it just seems like it's just a different culture when it comes mm -hmm. to resources. Um, you know, like I remember, like when I first moved here, there was a drought and there were these little table tents on the 
table. And it was like, we will give you a glass of water if you ask for it, but only if you ask for it, there's a drought. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like Phoenix is a desert. And like, there's never been an issue. There's like water, you know, flowing out of every single, you know, um, hose and everything. So I think North Carolina has been really, really great. Now we actually have um, over probably about 120 storefronts nationwide that sell our soap as well. So while it started here, we have always been able to ship our soaps in bulk to refill stores, um, you know, and then they ship back the empty, you know, the empty vessels that they're like these little smart bottles, they ship them back to us, we wash, sanitize and refill them. So because I, and I went from like, seeing maybe five refill shops open up to like, there must be like 5,000 refill shops across the country. It's just popping up everywhere. It is so incredible to see, you know, how, like, um, just how many small businesses are opening because of this, like, you know, concept and just how beautiful all of these businesses are because they're really mindful. They're really involved in their community. They're really putting planet over profits and they're really trying to do what they can to, to make an impact. And they're really glad to have found Fillory because we are very similar to them and we sell them the soap in a way that feels really good too. So yeah, I feel like consumer demand has changed quite a bit as evidenced by all of these new shops popping up all over the country. Oh, that is such good news. And that's really great news for your business. Your operations have expanded from locally to nationwide now. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're actually, I think uh, we're going to uh, send our first shipment to a beautiful little shop in Puerto Rico called La Isla. So it's like, I mean, you know, that's, you know, technically, you know, uh, it's, it's it's off the continent, right? So so that's that, that's exciting for us too. So, oh, yeah. Amazing. That's fantastic news. All right. Well, looking ahead, it's still technically kind of the beginning of the year. We're still in Q1. What does 2023 look like for you and for Fillory? 2023 is definitely um, focused on production and, um, you know, really, you know, focus on production, production, production. Like I am an entrepreneur that is, you know, I feel like my creative outlets are you know, finding new projects, finding new things to, um, you know, like new, new, new groups to, to work with, but I am completely focused to streamlining production, being able to meet this increasing demand. So, um, you know, hiring and, um, you know, scaling, uh, scaling to the next level. And this Q1 is so important. So, you know, that's going to take, you know, probably a lot longer than I think, like everything. So by the end of 2023, we definitely will be making a lot more soap than we are now. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So expansion time. Yes. Scaling up. Yes, yes, yes. Making bigger batches. (laughs) Good. That's great to hear. Um, so we have a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, um, who listen to our podcast. So the last part of this is, is um, a section of questions that we ask everybody. So for you, answer me these three questions. What do you feel has been your biggest success to date? Um, oh my gosh, I don't know why that is like, I think um, just, oh yeah, uh, let's see, being able to pay myself. So, you know, <sighs> As a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, as someone that didn't does, doesn't have any, you know, sorry, we, no startup funding, like no, everything's been very scrappy over at Fillory. So the, you know, I I definitely um, 
hired a few people before I found it like needed that I would, before I could figure out how to like make enough money, sell enough soap to pay myself. So like the day that I actually cut myself a very small, but like very proud paycheck, that was like the biggest success because that was something that was just so, it was so hard to get to that point. And I think that that just really was like, I can do this long-term, like this is going to work. Um, you know, if I can get here, then I can get here, then I can get here. So I think that that was, that was a really proud moment for me, at least, at least internally. For sure. That is not a small milestone for business owners, for small business owners, for entrepreneurs. That is not a small milestone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you always put it somewhere else, right? Because it's like, it's almost like you're feeding that thing and you're like, you know, if I can just get by and, you know, it's like, you know, luckily, you know, I, my, my husband and I, you know, we were living off one income for, for, for a while off and on over the years. So it's like, it was like grin and bear it. Like, okay, we'll just go, go back to that. And then hopefully one day I'll be able to do this. And then hopefully one day it'll really be able to be something um, much bigger and, 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 you know, maybe like pay yourself back for all those years. We'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, the opposite of that, what yeah. would you consider your biggest failure to date? Um, you know, I think that you, any, any time that, um, all my fail, like there's been like all quite like little things that I definitely would probably consider failures and every, um, I think what I would rather say is like every time that I have had something that I do consider a failure, it's some, it's some, it's, it's a something and it's a time that like, I didn't follow my intuition and that I didn't, I kind of rationalized myself like, oh, this should work because of this, or I'm going to keep on trying this because of this reason and this reason. I think that every time I've had, there's definitely been a few products that I have thought would be really, really great fits that just didn't take off. So I probably would say the biggest one of all of those would be a Kickstarter that we did to fund a condensed soap, which in theory was, you know, super great, was going to work out. It was just basically our soap, but you would put it in and add water, you know, into it. And um, I think it just, you know, it ended up being our customers like their soap the way it is. They're like, we just like the refill. We like to pour it in. We don't want to add water. We don't want to shake it up. And, you know, of course I invested uh, probably about a year and a half, two years, you know, maybe I broke even on the Kickstarter, you know, you raise all this money, but nobody knows how much money you had to put into the Kickstarter to actually like even make it happen. So maybe I broke even, probably ended up at a bit of a loss. And, you know, that was a big learning lesson. And that was just, like I said, focus on what's working. And that's why in 2023, I'm like, I know the demands out there and the potentials out there, but I need to focus on what's working first and focus on like laying down the you know, shoring up the groundwork. And I think that that is something I've learned over the years. Every time I've ventured off, I've always been led back to like, people want the refillable soap. They don't want, you know, this bath salt or this new thing or this da, 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 da. So, so that's, oh, that's, that's good. That's a, like a really actionable piece of insight for, for the entrepreneurs who are listening right now. That's a, that's a good one. And it's so funny. I keep asking the same question with the same wording and, you know, entrepreneurs, people who started their own business, it's really, it's a, it's a particular type of person. And everybody kind of bristles at the word failure because they're like, no, it's, it's a learnings. These are learnings. These are not failures. These are learnings. So to repurpose that, um, I really like that. It's because it's a really actionable piece of, of feedback, which is like focus on my core, my core product, the thing that is working, really focus on that. Um, and yeah, kind like of time box expansion. Sure, 
Yeah. And it's like, people are like, go back to the mission and yeah, like the mission as well, but like the, it's like, what has already been like, how can you almost improve that? Because every time you deviate and you think, and especially if we get bored or we're like, Oh, look at that oh, person doing that. Oh, that would be cool if I did it that way. It's like, it's just going to suck that energy out of like what, you know, what you, what maybe you came to do, what you should be doing. And then also what your customers are expecting and kind of already wanting, because that's important. Those are the, you know, because if without th th those kind customers like you're not going to be able to continue uh you know your business perhaps you know I, I'm sure it all varies depending on business but I just feel like um definitely and I've definitely had you know quite a few you know quite a few you know failures and distractions but they all do revolve along those lines of like getting a little distracted and kind of trying something new when I kind of should have been focusing on what I already had going on well that might be the answer to this next question but I'll ask it anyway What's the most important lesson you feel you've learned to date? Go with your gut, you know, trust your instinct, um, even in desperate times. And I know that really, if you don't know your gut, like I remember there was definitely was a time in my life where I didn't know what that voice was. I just really didn't have it yet. That's okay, you know, but I think hopefully everyone finds it because I really would hope that everybody did have some sort of like, when they're doing something and it kind of doesn't feel right or they're making a big decision and they're finding they're having to rationalize themselves to a little bit too much, you know, I think that listening to that instinct is going to be, um, is really important. And then the other thing is when you're really like burnt out and you just want to quit and you're just like, this is just too much. Like I, I'm going to, why don't I just work for somebody else? I would be making like, you know, twice as much money or three times or whatever. And I would be able to work from home some days. And I would be, you know, whenever you're at that point, which like I, it happens to everybody, um, you know, I think what I have done and the only way it's gone back is just, I have been like, I've gone back to like the work and just kind of like gone back to just the rhythm of like, just walking through and almost like faking it, you know, for the next week or the next two weeks the next three weeks. And then I think eventually you'll probably find out, are you really going to leave? But most likely you'll fall back in love with something and you'll like be like, okay, like now I remember why I'm here, you know? And I think that that has been something that has helped me over like at least two or three times when I really have wanted to kind of throw in the towel, essentially. I've just been able to go back and just keep on grinding it out just a little bit longer. And then I've had a breakthrough or then I've had a new customer or then I've had something really exciting happen. And, and I think that, you know, I'm glad I didn't just like, ah, okay, I'm done. This isn't working. I'm unhappy. You know, like I'm going to have to change pivot. All right. Okay. All right. So really sticking, sticking to it. You're right. It's, it's such a funny thing. The two things that you mentioned, which is one, how do you like if you are not practiced at listening to your gut just as a person you know business aside just if you're not practiced at listening to your gut and really honing into that voice oof how do you find that that's one question maybe to explore for another day yeah but. for sure i hope everybody does though and i think all the only thing i would say is if if there's been a time where you knew that you should have done that but like you didn't do it like that was your gut. So maybe trying to identify like the past times will help you be able to realize it in real time. Maybe, I don't know. Like, Is that how you did it? Yeah. I mean, for yeah. sure. Okay. Like it was just like, what? Like I knew it. Like I, 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 you know, I was on the fence and I went that way. 
So, I, and then that, that was really stupid. That was a bad move. I should not have done that. Like, then I see that so clearly and I'm like, oh, that was my gut, you know? And then after that happens so many times and you find yourself in these positions or with these people that are toxic or with, you know, da, 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 and you're like, oh, I remember that little thing. I remember feeling pulled in that other direction, but I chose not to. And I think that after that happens, then maybe when you're in the moment, you'll be like, wait, uh-oh, it's that thing. It's that thing I'm doing. And then maybe it will be easier to listen to that gut. I like that piece of advice um, out, you know, broader than entrepreneurship, just yeah. in life in general, because I think that's one thing, especially when you're young, but maybe not even when you're young, it's, you, you do get a lot of advice, just like, listen to your gut and what is your inner voice telling you? And, and you have the answer already. And it's like, wow, how do I unlock that? Where is the, who's the, <laughs> how can I tell me what the answer is then? So that yeah. I like that advice beyond entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, because you've been doing this for 10 years, I like to ask if you could get 85% of the world, so not everybody, but just like a good proportion of us consumers to adopt a single behavior, what would that be? We're like, I guess we're, we're talking about, yeah, like consumer behavior. We're talking about sustainability. Um, I would probably say, oh, I don't know. This, I would probably say um, there's like only like 5 million things that come into my mind. <laughs> yeah. I would probably say, um, I guess I would probably say composting would probably be a really big way to significantly reduce your waste. And I think that like the methane from, you know, food waste is something, yeah, like if you're a small business, I think composting would be the easiest, perhaps, um, you know, I don't know, biggest, biggest thing to do. I think it would be a little bit more impactful than just like, you know, yeah, composting is what I will say today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Um, and then last question, where can we find you in real life online? Where, where can we find you? Yeah. So we have a website, um, www.fillery.com. So fillery.com, F-I-L-L-A-R-E-E.com um, is our website. And that has a lot of information, a lot of FAQs. <laughs> it has all of our products. You can buy, you know, a glass bottle to try it out. And then you can subscribe or buy a refill, which is a half gallon uh, that goes to your house. And then you can send us back the empty bag. So there's a lot of information about how our closed loop uh, soap works. So you can find us online. You can find us um, in Durham at our storefront. Uh, and then you can also find us at quite a few uh, shops all around the country. There is, um, we're working on a, putting up a map, um, but we have a list right now, but we're working on putting up a map on our website. Uh, you can find us on FAIR, which is like a wholesale platform. And um, if you are a small shop, you know, you can reach out through the website too. So yeah, we're on Instagram at fillery.com on TikTok uh, and on Facebook as well. Um, so you can find us on all social media uh, platforms too, to find out when we're, we're always having fun and posting a lot of, uh, you know, good behind the scenes content on there too, so. Oh, awesome. I'm gonna check that out myself. Yes, yes. So we're all over the place. <laughs> Alyssa, thank you so much. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for hanging out with us here. Thank you for asking me. I'm really excited for this podcast. I really, really like it. And I, I definitely hope that um, everyone, you know, continues to listen. I, I, I really, yeah, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. And I'm very grateful. Very grateful. Thank you so much.
On that note, everybody out in the audience, thanks for listening in and we'll see you on B1.